Our scripture reading this morning, let's turn in our Bibles to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. Verses 1 through 21. Luke chapter 2, verse 1 through 21. If you don't have a Bible of your own, or would like a Bible in the version that we'll be reading, it's the ESV. Just raise your hand. Our ushers will bring a Bible to you that you can use throughout our service this morning. Just raise your hand now if you'd like a Bible brought to you by one of our ushers. And let's all stand then in respect to the reading of God's Word. I ask you to listen attentively as I read Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 21. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. God bless us with understanding as we listen to his word today. While you remain standing, let's bow in a word of prayer. And after our prayer time, our choir will come for special music and then the preaching of God's word today. Please bow with me in prayer. We thank you, Father, for this season of rejoicing because you sent your son, Jesus, to us for your purpose of saving us. Help us understand and may this truth impact all of our lives so that we come to know who Jesus is, that we trust him as Lord and Savior, and we worship and praise him and we become that part of your plan that all your creation would worship and praise you. Encourage us in that. Thank you for those who are here today. May you open our hearts to receive your word and impress our hearts to obey it. Help us as we reflect throughout this season, thinking about all the things that we do, that we enjoy, we spend time with our family, we shop, 
We buy gifts, we give loved one gifts. But in all this gathering together for meals and fellowship and all this, Lord, may we remember what it's all about and what you have done for us. May that become a part of our celebration and our, and our tradition to acknowledge you, to give our hearts to you, to live joyfully for you, to look forward to the completion of your plan when Jesus has promised to come and to finish what he has started, to rule both heaven and earth. We rejoice at his coming. We look forward to it. We pray, as the apostle prays, that even Lord Jesus come quickly. We look forward to that. But until that time, help us to be faithful, serving you, speaking your word, the gospel, to those who we come in contact. Bless us in our efforts, Lord. Give us strength, discipline, wisdom, that we might continue uh, serving you. We pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. What a glorious time of the year it is that we celebrate the birth of Christ. So much joy that we have when we know what it's really all about. The world is trying to manufacture joy for different reasons. There's a commercial side that wants to manufacture joy because it means money for them. They can sell items, they can, they can sell food, they can sell clothes, they can sell all types of uh, party things and gift items and we just get in an uproar and they love it. They see money signs. But why do people do it? Well, the fact is people need joy. They are desperate and we are looking for hope and joy. The good thing, and this is what we have to, as, as believers, we have to celebrate this time and let the world know that there is a real joy that exists. Because the world is trying to manufacture a joy to fill a void that they have. It's sad because oftentimes after Christmas, there's a depression that grow, goes across the land because the joy that many people have is a fake joy. It's not complete. It's not real. And so when the tree comes down, the lights go down, the house is empty again, they're back to the same old, same old, and they don't know how to deal with that. But as believers, we have reason to express joy. And we need to focus on who that reason is. It is the Lord Jesus Christ. We've been trying to look at this series in terms of God's plan. And not just his plan to send his son into the world as a baby, but what that means in his whole overall plan. And I've kind of narrated through uh, Revelations. Last week we looked at Revelations chapter 12 and we saw the different things that happened there. And uh, I know Revelation is, is not often looked at in the Christmas story, but it should be. As I mentioned last week, it is the completion. And so I want to just look, have you glance there with me very quickly as we kind of survey different parts of Revelation. And, and there's a purpose in this. As I mentioned last week, when we understand the end of the story, then we really have something to celebrate. I'm a big sports fan, and I like to watch games, but when I have a, a team that I'm really interested in, I get nervous. And at the start of the game, 
you know, it's, it's, it's not all that fun for me because, like, they get a big lead, and I'm like, yeah, well, but, you know, we got a whole game to go through. You get to the end of the game, you're like, come on, y'all, pull through, pull through. And, and you just don't want to be disappointed. Did I stay up all this time to watch this game just to see them lose at the end? Have I invested myself in all of this? And so I, Monday is one of my favorite times when I can watch the highlights of the games that I already know the outcome of. <laughs> if my team won, I want to see the highlights, and I look at it over and over again. If they lose, I don't even watch it. I don't even watch it. Revelation is the highlight, and it guarantees that we will win. And so we're commanded as believers to look. Blessed are the ones who read this book. Take a look at it. John is the writer. He's the one that God has shared this revelation with. And not for it to be a private revelation to him alone, but so that he would share it with a generation who was suffering. A generation that was going through many hardships, and not just hardships in general, but hardships because of their faith. Revelation 1, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show to his servants the things that must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. And blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written, for the time is near. John tells us he had been exiled on the island of Patmos because of his faith. He lived he was one of the last remaining disciples or apostles. All the other apostles hadn't just died. They had been killed by the officials, the government, the people of that day. They had been killed for their faith. John alone was left, and he was exiled on this island as a punishment so he could no longer spread his faith. But God came to him with these visions to show him, to encourage him so he could encourage other believers. And he wrote it in God's words so that we would have it for all of history so that we who lived some 2,000 years later could still know and be encouraged by what God is doing. Why do you need to be encouraged? Because you live in a wicked, sinful world that tells you daily your faith is of no benefit to you. You might as well throw it away and go for the things of life that everybody else is going for, or at least make an attempt. But God's word is written to us so that we might know what his plan is and know that we are connected to his plan and we can rejoice at what God is doing. In verse 7, Revelation 1, verse 7, it says this. Behold, he is coming with the clouds. And every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all tribes of the earth will wail on account of him, even so. Amen. He's coming. It's a reminder. So there's a group of people who aren't looking forward to his coming. One is a group that's deceived, and they think they're having fun, and, and they don't want their fun to end, and they think Jesus is just a party pooper, and he's going he's gonna to stop all the fun. But there's a group 
who have trusted in Jesus, who are going through intense suffering, and they're saying, Lord, we are looking forward to your coming. There's a group like us who sees all of the nonsense that's going on in the world, the impact of sin worldwide. We can't step out of our door in the morning without seeing some impact of sin. It's all around us. I don't care where you live. You're going to see some aspect of it. Some days it seems heavier than others. We're the ones who cry out, Lord, when are you coming? When are you returning? John starts off by reassuring us that Jesus is coming. You see, all in the Old Testament were the promises of Jesus coming to earth for his first advent and what that would accomplish. But some thought that he was going to settle everything at his first coming, and he didn't. He settled the first important matter, and that was he had victory over sin and victory over the pain and suffering of death. The suffering of death is this, is that <laughs> after death there's judgment. And people physically think that the suffering of death is just the pain of death, the agony of being in a hospital, the agony of having suffering and pain. But people think, hey, I can get medicine and I can resolve that. But the reason why it's so difficult to speak to people at funerals is because they want to ignore the real challenge of death, and that is that they have to meet their maker. And God says after death we have to face him, and there's judgment Jesus made that judgment possible for us to see God so that because we don't have to face that judgment. Romans chapter 8 verse 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in, in Christ Jesus. There's no judgment for me if I'm in Christ Jesus. There's no judgment for you if you're in Christ Jesus. Why? Because Jesus has paid the price. He has paid our judgment. And so he, when he came the first time, he lived a perfect life, and he died on the cross, he paid for the sins of all who would come to trust in him. And they escaped. We escaped the judgment that is due us because Jesus took it on himself. And so in his first coming, he paid the price for sin. And he promised us something, that we would have eternal life. And we said, well, wait a minute, we don't, we don't have that yet. Because believers are still dying. We, you know, if you put a gun to my head and shoot me, I'm going to die like any other person. So when do we have that total victory over death? It's when he returns again, and, and he's going to deal with sin once and for all. Sin is still all around us. It's still impacting us. Like I said, you don't go a day when you aren't impacted in some way by sin. If you don't think you're impacted by sin, wake up in the morning when you stretch and go, oh, as you're getting older like me, something is hurting. Something is reminding you that you're not as, as young and spry as you used to be. That's the impact of sin. You don't think so? That's the impact of sin. We get, I'm a step closer to death this morning than I was yesterday. And so are you. Our bodies are getting old. I like the old, old singer who said, There's a leak in this old building, and my soul has got to move. He's saying this body ain't what it used to be, and it ain't, it ain't going to get any better. And God's going to do something for me. He's going to give me a new body. He came first to, to conquer sin and the judgment of sin in my life. And now the second time when he comes, he's going to resolve the whole consequence of sin for us. Because of sin, we die. And we we, we, we must face death. But now because of Christ, we, even when we die, we live eternally with him. And sin will, no, we will, not, will no longer be around us and impact. We will be in a sinless environment. We can't even imagine what that's like. So, so many people are trying to imagine that and live that out in this life. 
trying to reach a point where they have their health in, in, in line, their finances are in line. They're trying to get heaven here, and they're going to find out sooner or later it just don't happen. There's a heaven that you can't reach here until you leave here trusting in Christ and are together with him. So Revelation tells us what God's plan is for doing. Let's be clear. We read in Luke chapter 1, Luke chapter 2. I'm going to go back there. We're going to come back to different parts of Revelation. We'll go back to Luke chapter 2. I want you to notice something. I love the title of our children's program and its play. Remember what it was? Say it again. Announcements. Say it again. Announcements. Announcements. There's a great announcement that was made. And what I notice in, in, in history, in the Bible, throughout all history, when great announcements are made, God makes it in a big way. And he sends a special one to make that announcement. John the Baptist was the one to announce that the Lord Jesus is coming and he's here. Make ready for him. Get ready. Get your lives in order. He is coming. The Messiah is here. The Lamb of God is here, he was saying. But all throughout history, when God makes these announcements, he often brings a heavenly being to make that announcement. The angels are appearing and they make that announcement. In Luke chapter 2, we see that same thing. Angels appear and make this announcement that God's plan has started and his son is coming to earth. Think about that. All these ages, God has been planning for this moment and his son has been next to him in heaven waiting to be released so that he could be born into the world as a baby boy, grow up to be a man who would be the Lamb of God, the Savior of the world. And now this time is set. So the angel comes and announces in Matthew chapter 1, announces to Joseph. In Luke chapter 1, announces to Mary that this event is started. And in Luke chapter 2, he's announcing uh, to the shepherds that this is going to happen. In verse 9, it says this. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. As the angel came on the scene, it, it, you remember in Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah had a vision of the Lord standing, uh, sitting on his throne, and it says his, his, uh, um, his train filled the temple. And all around him were these beings saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God. It's like around God is this pronouncement, this announcement of his greatness and of his holiness. And even when his angels leave the scene in heaven and come down to earth, it's like they still have that aroma around them. They still have that, uh, 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 that, 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 that vision, that glory around them that says they have been in the presence of God. So it says, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. How do we react to that? It says the shepherds were afraid. They'd never seen anything quite like that before. The angel says in verse 10, the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news. He's, he's, he's making an announcement. He's been sent by God. The word angel, by the way, means messenger. One who's sent to give a message. And an important message is coming. He says, behold... I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. He's saying this message is coming to you, shepherds, that's on this one hill, but this message is for everybody on this whole planet. It's for all the people. And I want you to take that out and spread that news. Here's the message. Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. Let's talk a little bit about what he's saying. 
This baby was to be born in the city of David, Bethlehem. Bethlehem was just a small city. It hadn't been for David uh, being there. It would not be very well known. But Micah chapter 5, verse 2, tells us about Bethlehem. But it also tells us about um, this, the area of Galilee and Judea and that Jesus will become, he will, he will come from this general area. He was born in Bethlehem, but he would live in this area. And the importance of that is he came from a small, insignificant place, obscure, if you will. But this is how God is bringing his son into the world, very small, obscure, but this is a message that's going to explode and impact the whole planet. We see throughout Revelation that God begins to show his will or his purpose through the messengers of angels. The point is, is that when an important message has come, God sends an important messenger to give it. We see that in the birth of Christ. We see it again in Luke chapter 2. As we continue, I just want to look at this. It says in verse 13, And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying. It's like the scene erupted into angels all over the place. A multitude of angels praising God. They were joyful to give this message that we have received now here on earth. That God is sending his son, and he has a special purpose in it. Let me go back to Revelation and just point out a few things there. Turn to Revelation chapter 2. In chapter 2, in Revelation chapter 2, There's an angel sent to give a message to the churches that were in the general area there, in seven churches. But there's something that he says to each one of the churches that I just want to, to highlight. In verse 7, he says this, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says. That's to the first church. To the second church. In verse 11, he says, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says. To the third church, in verse 17, he says, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says. To the fourth church, he says in verse 29, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says. To the fifth church in chapter 3, verse 6, he says, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says. And to the sixth church in chapter 3, verse 13, he says, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says. And to the seventh church in verse 22, he says, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says. He's saying to them then, he's saying to us now, listen, the announcement. Listen to what God is saying. He has said this in terms of speaking about his son. When Jesus was going into his ministry and he was baptized by John the Baptist in the River Jordan, in Matthew chapter 3, it says... There was a heavenly voice that came from heaven and said, This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. He's saying, Pay attention to him, listen to him, hear what God is saying. God has sent his Son. He wants us to pay attention. And then here in Revelation, he's saying, I'm going to send my Son again. And I want you to pay attention so that you are prepared, so that you are ready, and so that you are not discouraged about all of the nonsense that's going around you, but you are faithful 
to me. That's what God is saying. Listen to my word so that you might be faithful to live in the way that I want you to live right now. So that you persevere through the challenges that are all around you. Believers will not be without challenges in their lives. God is writing Revelation to a group that has been beaten down has gone through much turmoil. The people that were giving them the word have been killed brutally by the government, and, and, and they have seen this over and over. They must have been wondering, what's happening to God's plan? Why aren't we victorious? Why aren't we winning? Why so much suffering by God's people? Here at Sweet Communion, wonder, God, why would, would someone be so ruthless as to to uh, vandalize our church in such a way that it would cost us over $200,000 to recover that. Why is that happening to us? Why now? That's just a small thing compared to all the other things that are happening in people's lives. But it is to say that as believers, we have these challenges that when, when sin is impacting us in so many different ways, we have to ask, God, is your plan working? Are, are you still working on that? Is it still going to come to fruition? We are waiting and expecting God to do something. And he's saying, listen to what I say. Listen closely to what my plan is so that you will not be discouraged. What is God's plan? Well, we see it in Revelation. Let's go through a few things there. What we see in God's, the word revelation, God is unveiling his thing, his plan. There's two things that are part of God's plan. Very simple. God is going to punish sin once and for all. God is going to reward and protect his people once and for all. Think about that. That's good to know. Because as I stand right now, <laughs> we, we getting attacked. We're under amazing attack right now. And we have to wonder, God, are you going to protect us? Are you going to continue your plan? Or, or, or is the word of God going to be stopped? Now, Jesus made a promise. He says, upon this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. We wonder, are there some temptations that, that, that Christians cannot overcome? We see Christians falling into sin, and we see the, even uh, Christian leaders falling and succumbing to sin in their life. We wonder, God, what's going on? All this around us. We see churches that aren't doing what they should do or, or just, just having challenges in them and, 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 and people discouraged in their way. We wonder, God, what's going on? God is saying, listen to my plan and be faithful and persevere in serving me. And so when we see the different plans that are revealed in Revelation, they, they come by the angels opening the seals. There are seven seals that start off Revelations 1, chapter, chapters 3 through, through 5, basically. Those seals are, 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 are being revealed and opened. And we see in, in Revelation 5 that it's Jesus who's worthy to to open those seals and to reveal the plan of God. By the way, he's worthy, it says, because he has conquered. By his blood, he has conquered. Reminding us of what Jesus has done for us and, and, and how it works on our behalf. And then as he complete, continues to, 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 to open those seals and reveal, what's happening is we see God's judgment rolling out. It's an encouragement that we see that. Because we need to be assured that God is doing what he says he's going to do. Look at chapter 6, verse 9. It says this. 
When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the witness they had borne. They cried out with a loud voice, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long will you judge? How long, excuse me, how long before you will judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Look at that question. How long are we going to suffer living faithfully for your word? When will we, we see you avenge what's been done to us? That's what suffering believers are saying. In fact, it says, these are the souls of those who have already been slain for the word of God. In other words, God is holding their prayers, and you can see earlier in chapter 5 that he, he bottles up their prayer and saying, what's happening to you is precious to me. I haven't forgotten it. I've saved it. And there's coming a time when I'm going to take action on what you're praying about. And so what they're praying about is, Lord, how long? We've been abused and misused. Remember, excuse me, Romans chapter 8, it says, all day long we are killed. We are counted like, like sheep to the slaughter. And they're saying, Lord, when are you going to make it right? When are you going to do what you promised to do? And so they, they are still waiting for that. I want you to look at God's answer to them. It says in, in, in verse 10, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you will judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Then they were each given a white robe and told to rest a little longer until the number of their fellow servants and their brothers should be complete who were to be killed as they themselves had been. In other words, there's more persecution coming, but God's going to take care of it. He says, wait a little longer. What we see in Revelation is that period coming to an end, and God says, in fact, he does in a visual way. He says, I took all the prayers of the saints, and, 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 I, and I cast it down on the earth, and I let it explode. He's saying, I am about to act right now. God is saying, I'm tired of this mess. I'm going to straighten it out. You just sit, sit still for a little bit. Wait a little bit. That's why we need to read Revelation. We see God's judgment coming, and we say, thank you, Lord. Thank you that it's coming. What does this have to do with Christ? It has everything to do with Christ. God is sending his son into the world so that sinners might repent and turn to him. And he's saying, I'm coming back the second time, but this time I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a division between those who trust in me and I'm going to reserve, preserve, and take them to myself and I'm going to judge everyone else. Our job is to warn people of the wrath of God that they might embrace the grace of God while they have a chance. Our job is to do that and keep doing that. You see, they don't believe revelation, but we do. We know that God is sending his son and he is going to judge this world. We also know that he's going to preserve us. We are to warn them. See, they see this message of Christmas as Jesus as a sweet little baby, and they don't have the sense to know this is the baby that God says is going to rule with a rod of iron. Let me just close out with a couple. Can I give your, give your, point your attention to Isaiah chapter 7? I want you to see this because this is the prophecy of Jesus coming to earth. Isaiah chapter 7. Now we know the verse, verse 14, where it says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Well, let me give you the context. Let me give you the context of Isaiah 
speaking this prophecy. Certainly this prophecy is concerning Jesus Christ and him coming to earth. He's going to be born in a very special and miraculous way as none have ever been born before. He's going to be born by way of a virgin who did not have a husband, he did not have a human father, and this virgin is going to give birth. And the one that is born by this virgin is going to come to be called Emmanuel, which means literally God with us. Now, why was this assigned to Isaiah? Isaiah was to speak this because the people of Israel, specifically Judah, there's, there's, there's northern Israel and there's southern, and so Judah was that, was that small tribe, and, and they were under attack. The northern kingdom had uh, allied with, I think it was Assyria then, uh, and they were going to attack Israel, and they were going to destroy, when I say Israel, I mean Judah, God's people. And so the king of Judah was terrified. And God sent Isaiah to speak to this king and say, look, I don't want you to worry and fret about this. I'm going to take care of this. And this is the sign that I'm going to give you that I'm going to take care of this. In other words, they were in the midst of, of a threat of crushing defeat. And God promised his people, he gave them a sign of his love, his protection, and of his presence. This is how you know, he says to them, that I'm going to act on your behalf. I'm going to send you a sign. A sign is a wonder, a miracle, a proof of evidence of God's working. The virgin is going to conceive and bear a son. You will call his name Emmanuel. Start with his name. His name means God's presence is with us. He's saying to the king of Judah, don't be afraid. God is going to be with you. He is going to defeat your enemy for you. His presence is with you. Now that was in a real practical sense for those people of that day. And he's saying that's just a foretaste of who this Jesus is and what he's going to do for all his people in that day. Is He is their promise of God that they don't have to worry about the threat of the enemy destroying, annihilating them. That's why he sent that sign. He goes, on, he goes on in a very known passage in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. Where he says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. The context here is much the same. God is going to respond to his people. He starts off in verse 1 of this passage by saying, I'm going to bring my response from a little, not well-known town in Galilee. Look at verse 1. But there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. God is saying he's going to bring his Savior from an obscure place a place that wasn't recognized for much, but now it's going to be greatly recognized as the one that the Savior of the world comes from. In verse 9, he says, The child is born, a son is given. What's going to happen to this child and to this son? The government shall be upon his shoulder. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. It's saying he is going to rule over all of God's creation. He's going to govern over. That's what it talks about when it says the government shall be upon his shoulder. He's going to govern over. 
of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. He's going to govern in such a way that he's going to bring real and lasting peace. The world has been <laughs> looking for real and lasting peace and has never found it yet. But Christ is going to bring that. And he says this in verse 7, on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and with righteousness for from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. He's saying God is once for all for his people going to bring a deliverer that will guard, will, that will, will govern over them and over his kingdom forever. We see in Revelation, he'll reign forever and ever. He's going to be king of kings and lord of lords. He's bringing vengeance and wrath upon his enemy. He's going to deliver and protect his people. This is the king of all of the earth. This is the Lord Jesus that, yes, was born as a baby, who has come to die on a cross to deliver us from our sin, and now will come to completely turn around all of his creation. So all of his creation, as, as, as the writer in Philippians say, every knee is going to bow, and every tongue is going to confess that this Jesus is Lord, absolute Lord. I love Revelation because it brings that point. It shows the battle that goes on, but it's going to show that God, through Jesus, is victorious. But that's not just a saying. It literally is going to happen, and God is going to do that and complete that through Jesus. My question to you is, is this the Jesus that you know? Is this the Jesus who you serve? Is this the Jesus that you have trusted to forgive you of your sin? Do you not know that God has promised then to complete what he started in Jesus? Jesus is going to complete what he has promised to do, and that is to permanently preserve and protect and provide for his people and to govern over them in a kingdom that will not we say, even so, Lord Jesus, come, come quickly. Are your hearts prepared for this Jesus? Are you looking to him? And if so, you're encouraged and you, you've been given that ability to persevere through the different trials and challenges that we have right now because you know who Jesus is, because you know what he's going to do. You know he's going to complete exactly what he promised. We can hold our heads up. We can face any challenge that, that there is and know that Jesus is going to do what he said he is going to do, what he promised to do. Look what it says. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. I think about the increase of government. That's something I'm against in this life. I don't want government to get any bigger than it is right now. You know why? Because government is run ultimately by human beings who have a sinful uh, heart, and if you give them too much power, they will abuse it. But it says in Jesus, his government is going to increase, and there will be no end. That's the government I celebrate. That's the one who I praise that he's going to rule over me, and he's going to deal, he's going to eliminate all sin of his government and of peace. There will be no end. We're looking for that. I hope you're looking for the right thing. I hope you're rejoicing and looking forward and your hope is in Jesus. hope you're going to learn more of him and trust fully in him. It's all about him. Those who trust in him will be delivered. Those who reject him will be utterly destroyed. Who are you trusting in? That brings just new meaning to the term Christmas and celebrating Christ, looking forward to what he's going to do. Don't let the tinsel and the decorations and the lights and the trees get you off the focus of what, what the whole meaning of Christmas. Don't, don't let it rob you of the joy of knowing who Jesus is and what he's come to do. Bow down to him now. 
Give glory to him now. Commit your way, your life, your thought, your praise, your worship to him right now. Father, we thank you for your great and glorious plan. As we go through this end of the year and looking forward to next year, unless you return sooner, help us to be faithful in serving you. Help us to get into your words so that we can understand more of your great plan. So that we can be encouraged in what you're doing. Our eyes can be open to what you are accomplishing. We can be a part of encouraging one another, building each other up, knowing what your plan is and how we fit in that plan. Lord, I pray right now you'll be drawing more people into your family right now. Let them know that they can be part of your family by trusting in Jesus. That he died on the cross to pay for their sin. They'll be saved from eternal judgment. They'll have eternal life if they would but trust in this Jesus. Yes, he came as a baby born into this world so that he could take our place as a human being, a perfect, sinless human being on the cross. And Lord, we celebrate at this time knowing all that you have in mind for this child that was born and how he's accomplished a portion of that and he's going to accomplish all that you have for him. May we give ourselves to your purpose, to your son, the Lord Jesus Christ. May we be a part of that plan, the victory that you have, that we celebrate it with you. We pray this now in Jesus' name. Excuse me. Uh, just a quick reminder, I forgot to mention during announcement time, there are refreshments next door in the fellowship hall. If you have some time to hang around for a while, we have a spread put out in the fellowship hall. Please um, hang around and fellowship for a while. That's all. <laughs>